Father, God, we come to you in the name of Jesus, and we pray, Lord, we pray for more of you, God. Lord, we're in so much need. There's so much going on, so much behind the scenes, and people don't see it, Lord, people don't get it. God, you tell us in the word that before Jesus comes back, the whole world will turn against Israel. No one will stand to her defense. We're listening to news where Iran is saying there'll be nuclear uh, sufficient and capabilities shortly here. God, we see things that are happening. The Bible tells us that the kings of the east will rise up and We look at China and we see what's happening there. Lord, we pray. We come to you and we just pray that your people would be awake. Your people would be responsible and responsive to you. God, please speak to us today. May we sense your presence. May your word speak to our hearts. God, I pray that your people would know that you're more powerful than thunder and lightning and fire. You're omnipotent, all-powerful. God, I pray that your people, we, your people, we would wake up and we would arise to the times that we live in. We pray for Pastor Zach, Lord, Amanda, be with them. We pray for not only the pastors and the elders and the deacons and the people that serve in different ministries here, but we pray for the flock, the body, the community of people, of believers. We pray this morning for each one. Lord, we pray for our nation because it stands in the need of prayer. God, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You might have heard the story. You may not have heard the story. But it's a story of a very wealthy man had all the money that, in a sense, is needed. And the son was coming to that age where he was going to have a birthday, and he had asked his father for a car. Now, you need to know that in this situation, to buy a Lambo, Lamborghini, to buy a Ferrari, it, it was no difference. To buy a Bucati or Ducati, however you pronounce it, it's too many millions for me to pronounce. The father could have given him any vehicle that the son asked for. And so the the son was anticipating and waiting for his gift. So the birthday came and and the son came to the father's office. And and it was funny because the gift was wrapped in something like the size of the Bible I'm holding here. And so the father said to the son, hey, happy birthday. Here's your gift. And, And the son took the gift and he just tore the paper on the corner enough to see that it said Bible. And he just threw it at his father And he says, I can't believe you. Walked out of the office. Didn't speak to his dad again. There was animosity between them. He just couldn't shake the fact fact of my dad giving me this book. I asked him for a car. I asked him for a car. And time went on. Eventually the father died. As a son, he came into that place. Had the same office. Business, everything was going forward. I would say to everyone here this morning, be careful. Life goes so quickly. You have a mom, your dad, if they're still here, love on them, call them. My dad and mom, they're gone. They're with the Lord now. I miss them. You have a son and daughter. If you can, if, if, if the communications allow it, pray for them. Maybe send them some notice. Let them know you think about them. 
a brother, a sister, a husband, a wife. It's funny, the days that we live in, uh, please, animal lovers, don't get upset at me, but, but I see people giving attention and affection to animals that I don't see them giving that affection and attention to people. We, we live some interesting days. But the father died. Life went on. But you know life will, will hit you. Life has no mercy. You go to the doctor, you get that review, and they say, you got cancer cells, we got to order more testing. And you say, what do you mean I got cancer? I, I eat right, I exercise. I, what, are you, what are you talking about? It's funny how life is, and sure enough, this young man in our story, life pressed in and hit him pretty hard, and he's sitting at his father's desk, and he sees that, to his surprise, the, the book was there, caught his eye, and, and he grabbed for the book, and he tore the gift wrapping off, and, and he opened the Bible. He didn't normally do that, and an envelope fell down, and he picked up the envelope, and he opened the envelope, and there was a letter. Son, I, I, I'm so happy on your birthday. You'll notice inside the letter that there's a key to a car that I picked out for you. Go check it out. But son, if you don't like that car, I left notice at the dealership and they'll arrange it to give you any car you ask for. But I, I wanted to put it in, in this book, son, because the greatest treasure I could ever give you is this book, son. This book will keep you from sin. And son, sin will keep you from this book. I just want you to know that, that I love you and, and I would think the world of you and happy birthday. <laughs> he's full of tears and, and emotions and, and life has gone on you, you can't go backwards and, and the reason for that story is because a lot of times we don't consider the treasure that this book 66 books in one volume the treasure that the word of God is Psalm 119, are you there? Please go with me to verse 162, and you're going to notice something that I pray this morning. It, it, it would speak to us. It would open our eyes. It would do something in our mind. It would do something in our soul. The, the psalmist here in Psalm 119, in, in verse 162, look at what he, what he wrote here. I rejoice at your word as one who finds great treasure. Psalm 119, verse 162, uh, the writer there says, hey, when I, when I come to your word, there's, there's a great treasure. I rejoice. The word rejoice in the original language means cheerful. It means glad. It means to exult. But I like this. It means to be bright. You, you could read that verse in this way. I'm brighter at your word because I find great treasure. I could kind of make it very short this morning. I think you would be disappointed. I hope, I think. But a good question here for me would be, do I rejoice in the word of God? I look to your eyes and a good question would be, do you rejoice in the word of God? Do you find yourself cheerful? Do you find yourself glad? Do you exult? Are you brighter as a result of the word of God? It's, a, it's an interesting thing. We're living in times that to be or not to be. Pastor, I can't believe you're even bringing this up. That's the world we live in. Why shouldn't I bring it up? Well, some people might get offended. True. A better place than to have an offended test than the church to see if you could overcome and come back next Sunday. You got to come back. I already told you, Pastor Sack should be back. 
COVID? Is there going to be another strain coming? Will they have the Delta, Delta, Super, Gamma, Belta strand coming? Will they come up with a cure? Cracker Jacks? Buy some Cracker Jacks and it will go away. How many will go to the... I want some Cracker Jacks. And what I'm trying to get at here is, do you rejoice in the word of God? Do I rejoice? Maybe we come here this morning. Maybe I come here this morning. Maybe you come here this morning. Because just maybe God is trying to do an examination upon your life. Where does the word of God stand in my life and in your life? And the psalmist here says, man, I get cheerful. I get glad. I'm brighter. I love that. Jesus said, you're the salt and the earth. You're the light in the world. In other words, in this room, there's more than enough people. Jesus changed the world right side up with 11 people. He had 12. Judas flaked out. Judas betrayed him. With 11 men, Jesus changed the Then he brought in Paul, who it was Saul. He became Paul. But there's more than 11 people here. And there's such darkness. There's such confusion in the world that we live in. What do you do? How do you respond? What do you say? The psalmist here said, I rejoice at your word as one who finds great treasure. He says, I rejoice at your word. What does the word mean? For word has to do with utterance, speech, the word of God. It's also translated to Torah or commandment. The psalmist says, Lord, at the Torah, the first five books there, at your word, at the law, I rejoice. But he not only rejoices, he quantifies, he qualifies, he gives an example of how much he rejoices. Like one that finds, and I clicked on that word. What does it mean to find? That word, if you're taking notes, it means secure, acquire. Is a word that means to get, is a word that means to gain, is a word that means to detect, to discover. But listen to this this morning, I like this. This word in the original language also means to meet and to encounter and to learn. You know, a lot of people, when, when they come to the word, they come to the word like it was another book. They come to the word like it's a, word, a, a book written by men. But it's an awesome thing when you encounter, when you discover it's written with the utilization of men that penned it, but it's a word that's written by God through his spirit because the spirit breathed on men, the holy scriptures, the word of God tells us that. So here he says, I rejoice, you're cheerful, at your word, the utterance, the commandment. But why? Because I secure, I acquire, I meet, I get, I greet, I encounter, I learn. Do I do that? Do you do that through the word of God? He says here, I rejoice in your word as one that finds. But now he says great treasure. He just doesn't say treasure. Notice with me this morning, he says great treasure. That word great, I clicked on it also. In the original language, it means much, exceedingly, abundant. I like this. Enough. Did you get that? In other words, that the word of God is enough treasure for the person in this life. You have a lack. You think, I need more money. I need more friends. I need more health. I need more freedom. And it's interesting that in the word of God, you have enough. Is a word that also means, I like this. I want to look to your eyes as I say that. It means captain. Captain. I rejoice in your word as one that finds the captain of treasures. Are you with me? <laughs> the world says, you can. But what does the word of God say? You're my captain. The, the world might say, hey, you could take a little bit of time. You could cheat on your boss. You take a lunch break. You go to the water. Uh, well, you can't now in these days go to the water. Or what, are, what do they call that? The water, water station. But... <laughs> you're at home nobody's watching but man the word of God is, tells me to be productive to, tells me to be a servant tells me to be a worker as they begin to cut back in your job do they let go of the Christians first or they say no I, I can't let go of that that person they work as unto the Lord that person doesn't give me a 40 hour week that person but, but everybody here works you're all workers but captain 
The world says, it's okay to fornicate. It's okay to commit adultery. The word of God says, thou shalt not. Do I come to the word as a captain? You tell me that in your word? I remember growing up, you remember this, right? Me and Mrs. Jones, we got a thing going on. And the music sounded so good. You know, you could like prove to it. But God says, thou shalt not. Because when your kids find out, when your spouse finds out, when your pastor finds out, when the community finds out, it's going to break their heart. Thou shalt not. It says, thou shalt not lie. Let's, let's turn all of those, because here's the, here's the main one. All of those you get if you get this one right. Thou shalt not have any other gods before me. whether they're Democrat or Republican, whether it's China or United States, whether it's totalitarian or democracy, who's your God? You know, Pastor, Pastor Zach in Genesis, we learned from him, right? Who's the boss? Who's the boss? And a lot of people sometimes say, well, I come to the Word of God, pero, pero Pastor, I, I read it my way. Did you write the book? you create the world? How many planets you created? Did you design the Milky Way? Solar system? I guess you're hot. You're, you're, you're all down in a bag of chips, huh? We don't come to God's word our way. I rejoice in your word. As one that's found great captain, your word instructs me. Your word is my GPS. Your word is my barriers and my frontiers and my borders for me to live a life where the psalmist says, thy word, man, it's a lamp, it's a light to my feet, to my path. The psalmist says, the entrance of your word, man, it gives me light. Again, he says, I've kept my body pure because I kept your word. And if there's one thing we need in these days is believers like you, like me, that would honor the word of God. Are you there in Psalm 119? Before he says, verse 162, look with me at what he said in verse 161. Princes persecute me without a cause, but my heart stands in awe of what? Your word. Princes means powerful. Powerful people, they persecute me. Without a cause. But man, my heart, I'm in awe of you, God, because I'm in awe of your word. That's why then he says, I rejoice at your word like one that finds great treasure. But now look at 163. I hate and abhor lying, but I love your word. I love your truth. The word of God will not let you down. Jesus said this, heaven and earth are going to pass away. But my words, they will never pass away. If you want something in life that's solid, that's trustworthy, that will not fail, is the word of God. God's word. Leaving Psalm 162, as we get our marching orders, Let's go to Luke 24. I couldn't do it at the 9 o'clock service, but hopefully now, by God's grace and your prayers, we'll be able to do it. Here in Luke 24, picking up in verse 13, you're going to see that we have two guys that are dealing with trauma. They have a tragedy. To some degree, as you read this, as you observe it, it seems that these guys are like in shock. They've been hit so hard. They've been so disappointed. They've been so heartbroken that it's a tragedy. They're in trauma. And what I want you to see here is that the difference between trauma and trophy, it will have to do and depend on where you put God's word. 
What I hope you get this morning is that when you have God's word at the center of your life, God's word, as you lean into God, as you trust God, as you are led by God's word, your trauma will become your trophy. Your tragedy will become your triumph. And that's not just positivity speaking. There still will be pain. There still will be shock. There still will be agony. There still will be weakness. That's going to happen. I think with you this morning on that parent that gets the knock on the door and he sees people in uniform and they come and they say, do you have a son by this name? Do you have a daughter by this name? And, and you're there, you know something's up. And you're thinking, yes. And then they say the words that follow that, that pull the, the rug from underneath you. They say, ma'am, I'm sorry to tell you. They had a very bad accident and they didn't make it. They died. What are you talking about? It's my baby girl. It's my son. What do, you, what do you get at? No. And that's why sometimes people get angry and they yell and say, no, they get out of here. You see them hitting the walls. You see them breaking things. It's trauma. And sometimes when you have to go and give those death notifications, you know the deal. You, you know that unless they have the word of God, unless they look to the word of God, man, they might never overcome this, this news. And I want you to see with me here that these two guys, they're part of the disciples of Jesus Christ, not the original 12. Remember, Jesus had 12. He had, he had the three. He had the 12. He had the 70. They had the 120. But I want you to see with me here that these guys, that being east, Israel is to the east. That means Jerusalem is to the east. Miami Beach is to the east. And these guys are walking away from Jerusalem, and they're walking to this place called Emmaus. And why are they walking away? You're going to see as you read this with me. They've quit. They've had it. They're tapping out. They're saying, we did this Jesus thing. We trusted. We had faith. We put our life into it. But the pain is too intense. What we saw is too mean. What we experienced is too painful. We're tapping out. We're out. Will we ever come back? I don't know. Are you giving up? I don't know. I don't care. All I know is that I'm out. I'm walking out. Chapter 24, Gospel according to Luke, join me there in verse 13, we begin to read, Now behold, now behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. I call your attention to that same day. Why would it say that same day? If you go to chapter 24, the beginning is talking about the first day of the week. It's talking about the Sunday of resurrection. That day of resurrection, that day that Jesus conquers death, conquers the devil, that day that Jesus resurrects, these guys are walking away. I've seen it sometimes. I've seen that teenager Walk away from dad. Walk away from mom. I've seen dad and mom walk away from God. The same day that God wanted to do a miracle, they walked away. They walked away. Verse 14, we move on and we see that as they talked together, all these things which had happened, so it was, that while they conversed and reasoned, that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. I call your attention to verse 15. And as you read that with me this morning, notice that it appears that Jesus walked with them some time before they noticed. I stop. I look to your eye. Before an interaction begins between them and Jesus, they're walking. If, I, if you look up at, at, up here, and I could model this, it's like they're both walking away from Jerusalem. They're walking away, and they're talking. You're going to see that in a moment. Man, can you believe it? No, I can't believe it. Man, what a bummer. Man, talking about it. Man, I just, I just, I just got no words. It stinks. I'm done. I'm done. And as they're walking, I don't know if Jesus came from here, if I could really act this out. I don't know if Jesus was waiting for them to pass by, you know. So he kind of comes out, you know, and they're walking, and he's joining them. I wonder how... He's, Hey, can you believe it, man? I can't, I can't believe this. What does it imply here? They're so caught up in their trauma and pain, they can't see truth. They can't see Jesus. <laughs> 
Sounds like any nation that can't see Jesus. Does it sound to you like any people that can't see Jesus? You keep reading here and you see that it tells us there, and I hope you see that. Verse 15, so it was that while they conversed and reasoned, while implies time frame. That Jesus drew near and went with them. And up until this point, you could say, Pastor, that's conjecture. De donde tú estás sacando esa cosa? Where are you coming up there? Estás inventando. Are you inventing? No, look at verse 16. It tells us, but their eyes were what? Restrained so that they did not know him. So this is an interesting thing. First of all, I believe they don't even detect that he's with them. Second of all, when they do detect, they don't know who he is. So doing some investigative work here. That word restraint, I kind of clicked on that. And it's a word that means in the original language, they were ceased. They were retained. I like this. It's two words. Hold off. Something had them that was holding them off from being able to get beyond the trauma, the tragedy, the pain, the abuse, the defeat, the brokenness. The crash, the destruction. Seeing Jesus on the cross, man, I compare that too to some way. It, it, it pales next to Jesus, but that son and daughter that sees daddy driving away, mommy driving away, parents go through a divorce. What do you, what do you mean? What's happening? I, I've known that. I've known mom. It's that pain of that dad and mom where, where the girl says, hey, I'm, I'm tipping, I'm going. Who are you going with? I'm going with this guy. But this guy, do you, do you know what this guy, you know what this guy's going to do? And, and their eyes are restrained. They're willing to trade in 18 years, 20 years. They're willing to trade in the secure for the insecure. And they do that. People that leave a Bible teaching church to go after a cult, you know what they're going to do with you in a cult? Does the name Jim Jones sound familiar to you? Does David Koresh sound familiar to you? Do you know where cults end up in? Do you know what happens? No, Dad, Mom, I'm, I'm going, I'm going. This is not my church anymore. What are you talking about? You know what I love about our true church? It might not be your church anymore, but it will always be your family. Because family is always family. Isn't that the case, family? I mean, you love me when I had curly black hair. And now I don't know where it went. <laughs> but you still love me because we're family. You need to see here that when it says their eyes were restrained. And they did not know him. gets even more intense than that. Say, more intense than that? How can it get more intense than that? Look at verse 17. Luke 24, verse 17. And he said to them, what kind of conversation is this that you have with each other? As you walk and are, what's the word there? Sad. Do you know what that word means in the original language? You might want to circle it. I did that, and then I wrote these words. Gloomy mournful it's a word that means sad but it also means i gotta look up from the page i gotta look to your eyes it also means angry it's that trauma is that tragedy that hits you and you get angry you're hitting the wall you're stomping the ground you're saying no 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 what do you mean my first baby no that's my first baby what do you mean it died still oh, no 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 and you're hurt you're gloomy it doesn't happen to everybody because some people are quick to just say lord it's in your hands the lord gives the lord takes away blessed be the name when you make that but you could only make that when the word of god has some standing in your heart and even then it's difficult but when you're able to stand on the word of god and you heal so much quicker what the sad there is, the implication, I got to look to your eyes as I say this one. It's a word that means gloomy, mournful, sad, angry. But listen to this. And you allow it to be seen. You know what that means? Let me give you an illustration. I hate to do this. My wife is here and it wasn't her. But sometimes in Atlanta when we were living there, 
I was working the graveyard shift. I was working for Atlanta in a police department and communications. And so I would get home, take a shower, get in the car, and then we would go to Calvary Chapel there in Atlanta. And as we're going to Calvary Chapel, sometimes in the car, there would be intense moments of fellowship, <laughs> also known as fighting. You know, but, but you know, <clears throat> we're in a hurry, we want to go, man, blah, blah, you know. And, and so it, sometimes it got intense in the car, right? But we pull into the parking lot. I know you guys don't know anything about this. You know, this is just me. We get into the car, and something happened between opening the door and getting out to the moment you were in the car. We're in the car, you're hot, you get out. <laughs> Hallelujah, brother. Praise God. <laughs> Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Sometimes I sit in the service, I do the worship, I get the teaching, and then I get back in the car and I go, okay, where were we now? <laughs> I know you guys don't do it. <clears throat> you guys don't do that, but it happens. But notice that between the fight in the car, the altercation, and getting out, th there's a change. There's a restraint there. But it's sad when it gets to the point where you say, I don't care who sees it. I'm angry, I'm arguing, I'm hurt, and I don't care who sees it. And that's where these guys are at. They're not trying to be religious. They're not trying to be pretentious. They're sad. And Jesus tells them, hey, what, what kind of conversation is this that you're having? Man, you look so, you're, you have like no restraint. You, you just let it all, you're letting it all hang. You. And now notice how he answers, verse 17. After that, in verse 18, they say, the one whose name was Cleopas, he answered Jesus and he said, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? Have you not known the things which happened there in these days? Did I tell you what the name Cleopas means? It's interesting. It's a word that means known teacher, parent, or father. It's good when you look at this, and, and the implication is <clears throat> that when Cleopas is born, they say, what are we going to name this, this, this son of ours? Well, he's going to be like a teacher. He's going to know. He's going to know his father. He's going to know, and he's going to want to teach that. So here there's two guys. They're walking. Jesus says, man, you're really looking gloomy. You're really looking sad. You're really like, you, you got no. He says, are you the only stranger? ¿Qué te pasa a ti? What's your problem? talking to Jesus the group over here on the, on the east side did you notice the picture here Jesus has other disciples but he leaves the other disciples to go after these two as he had thought that the shepherd will leave 99 sheep if he's got a hundred and although he just lost one Jesus never looks at it as just one he looks at it as man that's one of my sheep See, churches today, business, corporate America, man, I got 99, forget that one. They'll restructure, they will, they will do things that are illegal, they will demote, they will promote, they, they will do all kinds of things. And a lot of times the base is, is politics, it's not righteousness. But not Jesus. He is faithful to complete what he has started. And this Cleopas, another guy, they're not that known, but in heaven, they're known that Jesus says, I'm going to go after you. I've, I've discovered it's an amazing thing when you learn about Jesus because the world will chew you up and spit you out. It's a funny thing. Aging is actually a good thing. I used to be young. And when I was young, a young pastor, everybody wanted a young pastor. Oh, come and teach us. <laughs> And then you get older and they say, let's get the next young pastor. But it's okay. But you learn things. You know, when you're young, you're energetic, you dream, you smell good. When you get older, your body begins to have odors that now you got to fight. <laughs> you got to fight them odors, man. I'd love to see young people. They're laughing, you know. I would laugh. They're joking, you know. Then this old person comes up and is like... Old. <laughs> it, 
it's an amazing thing as we come back here to the scriptures and we see how Jesus went after them. They're angry, they're in trauma, they're heartbroken, they quit. But I'm going after them. And I believe here this morning, Jesus is going after you. He's going after me. And he's saying, are you going to be a person of the word? Are you going to get in the word? Are you going to learn the word? Are you going to memorize it? Are you going to hide it in your heart? You know, Psalm 18, verse 30, that's the verse for God's Way Radio. Let me read it to you. It says, as for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven. He's a shield to all that trust in him. As for God, his way is perfect. Get it? God's Way Radio. And what's the radio about? His word, the word of the Lord. Man, it's proven. It's proven. Psalm 119, verse 89, forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Settled in heaven. Psalm 119, verse 105, it's a light to my feet. It's a lamp to my path. I like this one. Verse 140 of Psalm 119, your word is, is pure. And therefore, your servant, he loves it. Go back with me, please, to Luke 24 and notice this. This is an amazing thing to me. Notice where this guy is at, verse 19. He said, in answering Jesus, Jesus asked them, What things are you talking about? And so they said to him, they said to Jesus, The things concerning Jesus of Nazareth. It's a beautiful thing here. I got to look to your eye. Going very slow. I hope you're not being distracted. Hope you're not falling asleep. If you are, my hope is you'll wake up again, so it's okay. And, but, but the point I'm trying to make here is that it's a wonderful thing. You got to get this. They're walking away. Jesus is walking with them. He's going after them. And now Jesus is going to let them talk. What things? What are you talking about? So as they talk, they're going to be giving the word Jesus had promised some things that are coming to pass. Look at here and see if you see that. Notice how they're talking about Jesus of Nazareth now. Before they were just talking about that which made them gloomy, sad. But now here they said the things concerning Jesus who was a prophet and mighty in deed and in word before God. And all the people. I hope I don't have to spend too much time in that. But do you get that? In other words, they had noticed this guy, Jesus. Man, he's powerful in front of God and in front of the people. He's a prophet. He speaks God's word. He'll speak to the Pharisee. He'll speak to the Sadducee. He'll speak to the tax collector. He'll speak to the woman at the well. He'll speak to the woman caught in adultery. Man, we had seen this Jesus. Look at verse 20. And how the chief priests and our rulers, they delivered him to be condemned to death. They crucified him. These are the things we so love be overcome by hatred. We so righteousness be overcome by dirty politics. Look at verse 21. And we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. I had to click on that word, uh, hoping. It means we were waiting for salvation. That's what that word means, a sure waiting for salvation. It's a word that means we were full of joy. We were full of confidence. We had trust. I looked to your eyes, and what they're saying here, Jesus is letting them speak. They say, man, we had trust, but now trust has been broken. Trust is that kind of thing that takes you so long to earn, to get, and it could be broken so easily. And then once it's broken, man, it's double hard to work at it. If there's any strange relationship here, any husband that maybe your wife doesn't want to speak to you, any wife that your husband doesn't want to speak to you because trust has been broken, you have to be patient. I see sometimes guys that say, hey, you know, my wife, I, I let her down, but hey, I'm a, I'm a different guy. I'm a different guy. Why isn't she on with it? You know how many times she forgave you? I always say to the guys that woman, they're like a light switch. When it's on, you could do things, you know, bulldoze over them and yeah, honey, I love you. But once that switch goes off, only God can work for it to be turned back on. You, you could bring all the flowers now, all the Cracker Jacks, you know, all the cars. Here, honey, look at this car. Do you love me now? Get out of my face. 
Trust is broken. And what I want you to see here is these guys, instantly, the guys that are happily married, feed that trust. Nourish that trust. It's like a bank account. Make your deposits. When you make, need to make a withdrawal, something's going to be there. It's kind of tense here. I thought that was funny, but nobody. <laughs> <laughs> Worst thing you could have is <laughs> when you come to your spouse and they say, canceled, insufficient funds. Nothing's there. I'm dried. I'm dead. I'm here, but my heart has left the building. But guys, let me tell you, when you repent, when you get right with God, God is one that creates miracles. And the only solution I've seen is go after God more than you're going after your wife or your spouse or your husband. If you're going after them, you got, you got the thing wrong. Give them to the Lord, and you just go after the Lord. Become a man of God, a woman of God, a man of integrity, a man of character, a woman of character, and watch what God will do. What I want you to see here is you go back to Luke 24, is that they say here, we were hoping, we were hoping, we were hoping that he was going to redeem Israel. Notice they're not hoping anymore. And notice what God has done that with the temptation, God gives you the way out. Because notice what they begin to say to Jesus. And besides all this, today, the third day, that's a hint. Third, third, third day, he will be buried and on the third day he will rise. On the third day, sure enough, things have happened. What things? Well, certain women of our company, verse 22, they went to the tomb early and they astonished us. Because they didn't find the body. The body's missing. Hint, hint, hint. He's alive, he's alive, he's alive. But I want you to see the trauma, the tragedy. They're blind. They can't see. And the ladies came back. Are you there with me? And they said, we've seen visions also. The ladies saw visions of angels. So they don't believe the, the, the ladies. They don't believe the, the evidence, the empty tomb. Even angelic realm, they don't believe it. When you're broken, when you're hurt, when you're in trauma, it's a bad thing. Verse 24, look at it. And then certain of those who were with us, that's Peter, that's John. They went to the tomb, and they found it just like the woman said, but him, Jesus, they didn't see. Stop a second. Look to your eyes. Are you with me? They're in trauma. They're in pain. God is trying to give them hints. I want you to see how bad these guys are. Notice they didn't leave right away. They're in Jerusalem. The ladies come in. Hey, the tomb is empty. The body's not there. And then we saw the angels, and the angels said, he's not here. He's risen. And they're saying, no, we're still leaving. We ain't doing this. And then Peter and John run. And the implication is Peter and John come back. Say, guys, it's just like the lady said. It's true. It's empty. You don't understand. We're done. I'm tapping out. I ain't doing this again. They begin to walk. And now Jesus gets the information. And now if you're writing notes, and I hope you are, write this word here. The word that I would like you to write is sharper, sharper. You're going to see that the reason, one of the reasons that the Word of God is so valuable, is such a treasure, because it is sharper than anything else. Look at verse 25. So now Jesus is going to begin to minister to them, and he says, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ have suffered these things to enter into his glory? And now I love verse 27, beginning with Moses and then all the prophets. Jesus is doing the teaching here and he's expounding to them in the scriptures the things that point and speak about Jesus, about himself. I think we got time to do this. Put a marker here. Some scholars believe that possibly. Run with me to Psalm 22. Psalm 22. We're going to go to Psalm 22. And then we're going to go to Isaiah 53. So if you find Psalm 22 quickly, this is just for you to get a taste of what Jesus is speaking to Cleopas and his friend, what he's speaking to them about. As you're turning the page, I hope your ears are still open and you're listening. The power of Scripture, how Scripture is sharper. Scripture, when you just give the Scripture, it will accomplish something. So are you there, Psalm 22? 
Some people believe that this psalm is a messianic psalm. David writes it, but he's writing it about the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. The things that he writes here describe the crucifixion so perfectly. Years before the crucifixion is ever invented, the Greeks come up with it. The Romans, they refine it. And here, look at verse 1, which incidentally, Jesus quotes this from the cross. He said, my God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me? Why are the words, and away from the words of my groaning? Jump down a little bit and go to verse 6. I'm a worm. I'm not a man. How Jesus felt as a result of the crucifixion. Notice what people were uh, saying. He trusted in the Lord. Let the Lord rescue him. Let the Lord deliver him, meaning Jesus, if he delights in him. That's what the people were mocking Jesus to do. You say, well, I don't know if I'm with you there on that, Pastor Ras. Okay, go with me now to verse 16. Dogs have surrounded me. The congregation of the wicked has enclosed me. Look at this now. They pierce my hands and my feet. The crucifixion. I can count all my bones. They look and they stare at me. Look at verse 18. Totally prophetic. They divide my garments among them. And for my clothing, they gambled. They cast lots. Look at verse 21. Save me from the lion's mouth. And from the horns of the wild oxen, you have answered me. Jesus dies. How does he die? He says, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. But go to Isaiah 53, another messianic scripture. As you go into Isaiah 53, I, I bring to your attention what Jesus is doing here. He's reminding these two guys. Notice this. La Escritura. The scripture, the Bible. Now, obviously, back then, the New Testament hasn't been written yet, but you have the Old Testament scriptures. But notice now in Isaiah 53, what a beautiful, beautiful picture of what Jesus was going to go through. Beautiful, but painful. Beautiful because of the redemption but ugly because of the process. Look at verse 3. He's despised. He's rejected by man. He's a man of sorrows. He's acquainted with grief. We hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised. We didn't esteem him. But look at verse 4, what happened at the cross. He bore our grief. He carried our sorrows. We esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, afflicted. But he was wounded, verse 5, for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, remember the 39 lashes across his back, we are healed. Verse 6, all we like sheep, we've gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. The Lord has laid on him, meaning Jesus, the iniquity, the sin. Of us all. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. Look at this. Verse 7. Yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter. Like a sheep that goes before his shearers is silent. He opened not his mouth. The prophecy that Jesus would be crucified between two thieves at the cross. It says in verse 9, they made his grave with the wicked. But it was a rich man's grave. Remember Joseph of Arimathea? But with the rich at his death. Because he has done no violence. There was never any deceit in his mouth. Look at verse 10. Yet it pleased God to bruise Jesus. He has put him to grief. Why? So that your grief and my grief could be forgiven. My sin, your sin was upon Jesus. He paid the price for sin. So when you accept Jesus, your sin and my sin can be forgiven. Does this do anything to you? 
Look at verse 12. They're going to divide the spoils with the strong. He poured out his soul unto death. He was numbered with the transgressors. He bore the sins of many. He made intercession for transgression. Backtrack to verse 8. It was interesting. It tells us there that he was taken from prison, from judgment. Who will declare his generation? But look at this here. He was cut off from the land of the living. That term there points to the cross. He was crucified. He, was, he died. Why did Jesus die? Look at verse 8. For the transgression of, notice what it says there, my people. He was stricken. Go back with me to Luke chapter 24. I got to look to your eyes and say that as Jesus is teaching them this word, they're getting the word in the head. They're getting the word hopefully in the heart. And notice with me that something happened. So, something happened in these guys that were in trauma, tragedy, broken. Because look at this. It tells us in verse 28 that they drew near the village. They get near Emmaus. They drew near the village where they were going. Luke 24, verse 28. And Jesus indicated that he would have gone farther. But notice that something happened in them that now they constrained Jesus. And here's what they said. Abide with us. It's evening. The day is far spent. I love this verse 29. The last part it says, And Jesus went in to stay with them. Family, please, let me call your attention to this word, abide with us. You know what that word means? I clicked on that word. It's a word that means continue, be present. But I got to look to your eyes as I say this. The implication is, and never go. Two words I want to give you. I gave you the word sharper, right? And then the next word is active. I want you to see that God's word is sharp, sharper than a two-edged sword. And I want you to see that it's active. The word of God, as the word of God goes with the power and the anointing of God, it cuts, it cuts, and it separates between your soul and your spirit. It kind of cuts between, remember, these guys are depressed, they're frustrated, they're anguished, they're, they're in anxiety. And notice that the word of God separates between that to get to the truth. And now these guys that, are you the only stranger? Don't you know what's happening? They go from that to now, oh, you got you to gotta stay with us. Can I say it in Spanish? When I get excited, I speak Spanish. Te tienes que quedar con nosotros. Tú no te vas a ningún lugar esta noche. No Holiday Inn, no Hyatt Regency. I don't care if it's Coco Plum. You're staying with us tonight. Staying with us. Active. Something of the Word of God in them began to activate in them the ability to see where before he's a stranger, before they're talking, before they're not even giving him the time of day, and now they don't want to let him go. What did that? The word of God therapy. Backtrack with, with me and look at how it started. It doesn't start, I like Jesus. He's good, he's loving. But he didn't say after he sees them, he says, Oh, pobrecito, oh, you poor man. Pobrecito, you man. You, you hurting, you hurting. You, you got a lot of pain. I'm not trying to make light of it. But notice how Jesus begins the conversation. Verse 25, can you go there with me? He said to them, O oh, foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. He's like saying, come on, guys, you know this. So let me break these two words for you. O oh, foolish ones. Do you know what that word means, foolish? It's a word that means no understanding, unwise. It comes from the word, are you ready for this? Sensual. It's when you're doing everything based on senses, on feelings. Ooh, ah, oh, that make me feel so good. Sensual. And so Jesus says to them, oh, you sensual. But then he says something else. Do you see what he says there? Slow, slow of what? 
slow of heart. That word slow in the original word, you know what it means? It means dull. It means inactive. It means slow to apprehend and to believe. Can I call your attention, please, to Proverbs chapter 12? Proverbs chapter 12. There's a word there that if I just said the word, you might be upset at me. My wife may be upset at me. Maybe not. I hope Pastor Zach is not upset at me. But I'm going to say the word anyway because it's in the Bible. So what I want you to see is that Jesus says to them, Oh, foolish ones and slow of heart. So he says, you're sensual, you're unwise. And then in Proverbs 12, verse 1, what does it say there? Whoever loves instruction loves what? Knowledge. But he who hates correction is what? Estupido. He's stupid. Now, I know you parents, sometimes you say to your kids, don't say that word. Why do you do that? It's in the Bible. As a matter of fact, it's twice. I'm going to read it for you, and then I'll give you the address. It says, surely I'm more stupid than any man, and I don't have understanding of a man. Three times you find it in the Bible in the New King James. Listen, that word in Spanish, if you have Spanish, you have the advantage. Está estupido, estupido, you know. <laughs> Your process is clogged up. You're clogged. You need a plunger. And sometimes people, you know, are you the only strength? Man, you're clogged up. You got Jesus walking next to you. But I like the way that Jesus begins. Hey, guys, let's call it for what it is. This has nothing to do with your background, with your mom, with the bottle, with what side of the track you're in, whether you're black or white or poor or white trash. This has nothing to do with that. You know what this has to do with? Your heart is clogged up. Slow of heart. It's the refined way of saying it. That's the way that Jesus said it. So from now on, don't say stupid. Just say, you're slow of heart. They'll get the point from now on. Estás lento de corazón. Estás lentito. Open up. And you'll see that. You, you, you'll see that sometimes. I find it interesting. You know, sometimes people have a problem with a cult. And then they come here. And you love them. And it's like they don't trust you because the cult burnt you. That was back there. That's not me. That's like your next spouse. You know, you're, you're, you're holding them responsible for what your past spouse or your past friendships did. Slow of heart. You're a little slow here right now. Your teacher did something to you. Why do you hold it against them? Can I get personal now? A Cuban did something to you. You're going to hold all Cubans responsible now? A white person did something to you. You're going to hold all white people responsible now? A black person did something to you. You're going to hold all black people responsible now? And I'm finding out that from pulpits this isn't being preached because, wait a minute, are we going to re regress and begin to do the things that we can blame other people doing by being racist and bigoted and judge people by the color of their skin? That's being slow of heart. That's being foolish. That's being a rejection of the word of God. Let me finish up. My, my time is gone. I've gone over. Forgive me. But notice what happens here. The word of God is sharper. The word of God was able to separate. You notice that? The word of God is active. Did you notice how it activated the, in them the ability to now have reasoning? And look what happens now. Verse 30. So it came to pass that he sat at the table. And when he took the bread, he blessed it. He broke it. And he gave it to them. And then when Jesus breaks the bread and gives it to them. Look at verse 31. Then their eyes are what? Open. And they knew him. And he vanished from their sight. That word vanish, I want to give you a V-letter word, vindication. Vindication. The word of God is vindicated there. The word of God will do what it was sent forth to do. And so Jesus walks with these guys. He takes the bread. He breaks the bread. And the way that he gives the bread to them is like they say, hey, we know who breaks the bread. Like, hey, I, I wish, I, I hope that they have cameras in heaven. That I could see this. Because I could see this, guys. Here's the bread, you know. And then he breaks and I wonder if they just stood still after he disappears. I told you. <laughs> you told me that I knew it. Dude, that's amazing. 
qué pena. <laughs> How shameful. The word of God is vindicated. Mom, you keep giving the word of God to your son, your daughter, in love. Dad, you keep trusting in the word of God, and the day will come. The day will come. We don't want to say it. He was right. My dad was right. Live by the word of God. It's sharp and it's active. It vindicates. Look at this. It empowers. What do they do? Do they stay there and now they have a Mayo's Calvary Chapel? They built a mountain? No, look at this. Verse 32. They said to one another, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked on the road? Notice what he, why he opened the scripture to us. Look at verse 33. So they got up that very hour. They returned to Jerusalem. They are empowered now. Notice how the word of God empowers you to get back in the game, to get back to Jerusalem where you belong. And they come to the eleven. And those that were with them, they gathered together. Look at verse 34. And they said, the Lord is risen indeed. He's appeared to Simon. And he told about the things which had happened on the road, how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. Now, they get an opportunity to minister. I ran out of time. You got to go home and read the rest of that chapter. It gets better. But listen, the word of God is a treasure. So let me send you home with this as the worship team comes up. <laughs> There's something about the Word of God. It's healing. It's therapeutic. Pastor Mike McIntosh, he was diagnosed as a paranoid schizophrenic. He was huffing glue. He was high. And they put a bag over his head and they fired a gun. Bah! And he thought that they had shot him. They, they, they were playing with him. He said, we're going to shoot you. We're going to shoot you. They shot the gun, and he thought that he was dead. But obviously, it was. A, but in his mind, in his mind, it was messed up. He talks about that day that he went to Calvary Chapel in Costa Mesa. They laid hands on him. They prayed for him. The Lord healed him. But listen, Pastor Mike McIntosh will tell you, as he read the Word of God, it restored his mind. There is no depression, anxiety. Just get the word of God in you. There is no heartache. There's no trauma. There's no tragedy. Heaven and earth will pass away, Jesus says, but my words will never pass away. You got pain? You got a problem? The word of God is needed. You got a tragedy? You have a trauma? You have broken dreams? The, the word of God is needed. I present to you this morning, would you pray for me as I pray for you? We got to get back to the word of God. The word. The entrance of your word. And it'll give light. It'll give illumination. There's going to be pastors up front here this morning. I'm going to dismiss. If you need to go, it's 1236. So I'm going to dismiss. I'm going to pray. You could get up or you seat and you could go. If you have children, make sure you go pick them up at children's ministry. But if any of you have a little bit of extra time, maybe you want to pray with me this morning. God, may your word be the center in your house. I was at a conference not too long ago and the electricity went. Nice conference. They had the, they had the screens. They had the, 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 the screens lit up. It was beautiful, but the music, it's not, but all of a sudden the electricity just went. And then we started singing. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. You know, instruments are good, electricity is good, but when all of that goes, some of you, you got some nice houses.
I don't have the time, but I wish I could go to your house just to, man, look at, look at that tile, papo. Look at that tile. Man, look at that Babylonian box. It's like, it's like three feet long. It's bigger than my swimming pool, your TV. Wow. Wow. And the car and your retirement and your abs and your gym. Let me tell you something. If you don't have the word of God in you, you have nothing. You have nothing. And when you have the word of God in you, you realize you're just a steward. Hey, God gave, but he could take it away at any time. And my life wouldn't change one bit because my foundation, it's the word. To make the word your foundation, you've got to spend time in the word. So many churches today, lights, bell, positivity, speakers, they look handsome, they got curly hair. <laughs> you can do this, anybody. But they're not giving people the word. And so you watch and you wait and you see what's going to happen in this nation. You see what's going to happen in the world. Things are about to really pick up pace here. And I trust this morning that you got the word. Because when you have the word of God, you're unmovable. You're unshakable. Father, we pray this morning that if anybody here would say, Lord, forgive me. I, I need to make the word my priority. I need to make the word a center in my life. Lord, that, that it would happen here this morning. Uh, we pray that you give the pastors words of knowledge, words of wisdom. That as they pray with people this morning, people will realize he's a pastor, but God was talking to me at that moment. God was meeting me as I got up out of my seat and I went forward. It's like God met me there. And so we pray this morning, God, if there's anyone here that does not know you, that this would be the day they surrender their life to the living God. And they say, Jesus, be my savior. Forgive me my sins. I repent. I want to live for you. God, we pray that as people drive to the car, they, they walk to their cars, as they drive away, somehow, some way, Lord, you keep speaking to our mind and heart, and we open that Bible, we blow the dust out of it, and we begin to say, okay, God, speak to me. Speak to me through your word. Give me understanding, Lord. I want to understand your word. What does it say? What does it mean? And that we would be able to say, because, Lord, I want to obey your word. I want to do what you tell me to do. You're going to be my treasure. Lord, bless your people here today. Anybody watching by computer, God, work in the hearts of many. Heal the sickness in people today that they're just sensual. They're just about the, the bells and the whistles. They need all these other things. And we have your word. That's all what, that we really, really need to be effective believers, to be effective Christians, Lord. God, forgive us, forgive me, and may today be a day of a new beginning, Lord. We pray, we ask it, in Jesus' name, those that agreed said, Amen.